In just a few weeks, millions of you have watched the fall of Minneapolis. We are grateful for the support and for you sharing the free documentary. So please keep doing your part to bring the truth to light and keep passing it on. Still, there is much left to say. And this episode of Liz Collin Reports is dedicated to just some of that. We'll start with Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison responding for the first time to the documentary. A radio host in Fargo, Scott Hennen, asked Ellison about the film at a recent event. The only reporter we are aware of to even approach and question Ellison about the documentary. In the interview, Attorney General Ellison admitted he did not see it, but said that the documentary is not factually based. Listen. I have not seen it. My opinion is that it's not factually based. I think it's partisan propaganda. I think it would be better if it included interviews from everybody concerned. Everyone concerned, he says. Keep in mind, I've been trying since June of 2022 to schedule an interview with Attorney General Ellison without any success. Here are just some of those emails. Ellison had plenty more to say during that interview. To respond, I want to bring in now the writer and director of The Fall of Minneapolis, Dr. J.C. Shea. Jay, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Liz. In all, it's about an eight-minute interview uh, with the Attorney General uh, from that reporter in Fargo. I know we're going to get to a couple other points uh, on that interview in a moment, but let's talk about that, this partisan propaganda claim uh, that the Attorney General makes right in the beginning of the interview. What do you say to that? It would be quite politically convenient for Mr. Ellison to dismiss the documentary as little more than partisan propaganda. However, I hate to inform him and others, it's actually much, much worse. Unfortunately, I have just as much contempt for our so-called elected officials on either side of any aisle or all of them collectively. And it pains me to say that. I love my country. I love my fellow Americans. And I care deeply about my daughter's generation and the truth. So it goes way far beyond any bit of partisanship that he might be thinking of that might be really convenient for him just to dismiss. Ellison also has something to say in response to why more of the body camera footage was not used in trial. But let's listen to how Ellison handled that question. In America, you have the right to counsel because your counsel is going to be a vigorous, zealous advocate for your case. I have to assume that if Eric Nelson did not put that video in, then it's because it didn't help his client. Now, unless you're going to say that he's incompetent. But, but of course, the judge saw the whole thing. The judge made sure the trial was fair. It was on television. Everybody in the world saw the trial. There's so many things that were said that were just not true. And all it's doing is making Americans distrust each other. And I'm sad about that. Interesting that he says uh, so many things were not true, despite not watching the documentary. And it's only making Americans distrust each each other, he says. But what's your take on this whole uh, body camera claim here, Jay? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. And it's what, what's most surprising is how Ellison seems to actually have outsmarted himself. And by that, I mean this. Stop resisting this. There's more than an hour, collectively, of the body cam footage from each of these officers put together. If this was the violent murder that he claimed it to be, why did we not have more of this evidence 
Direct evidence, police body-worn camera. It's right here. Don't do me like that, man. Why was there not more of that evidence in this trial? Why did not the prosecution present this? Instead, they focused on Exhibit 17, a still-frame photograph of Derek Chauvin in a position that they wanted to present that fits their narrative. If they wanted to be impartial, as the attorney general, last time I checked, he should be in charge of protecting impartiality. I can't joke! I can't breathe! He should be looking for evidence and also exculpatory evidence if he is, in fact, back to facts, pursuing justice. So the fact that he says the defense should have presented this is striking because the prosecution should have done the same to prove this murder that we've all seen, oddly enough. And yet at the same time, he says it's the defense's fault for not introducing this. Well, back to facts. If you look at all four of these cases, and there are four, for each of those officers, motions were filed to introduce the body cam footage. The reason why we didn't see it is a question that Judge Cahill should answer. Another point the attorney general references is the autopsy itself. Here's what he has to say about that. Dr. Baker and Dr. Thomas both said that he died from subdual restraint and neck oppression, and it was a homicide. Does anybody dispute that? So you hear Attorney General Ellison say this was a homicide. What do you say to those claims? Again, I'm, I'm supposed to be some propagandist, right? And well, sorry, in doing actual research, when we worked together, Liz, on your book, there's over 220 citations of research in that. That's called empirical evidence. And if we look at this autopsy report, again, not propaganda, that's empirical evidence. I would defy Mr. Ellison or anyone else to please show me in the medical examiner's autopsy report where the word homicide is written. It is not. Strangely, we have this title at the front of that autopsy report, which suspiciously goes out of its way to suggest this is not a homicide. And of course, as we learned from other testimony, from an unrelated case, from Amy Sweezy, one of the prosecutors who was involved, who says, Dr. Baker was very concerned about the fact that what happens when the evidence does not support the narrative everyone has already decided on. If that's not more telling of a prosecutorial crusade, I don't know what is. And speaking of that, there's a very telling meeting that that takes place just just about five months uh, after May 25th of 2020. Talk more about that, Jay, and, and what we learned uh, during the course of that meeting. Interestingly, again, back to facts. If we read that autopsy report, Dr. Baker says there are no findings of asphyxiation. There are no violent injuries. Yet we see from this memo with several of the attorneys on Ellison's dream team, by the way, dismissing, again, dismissing facts and evidence. They are saying the fact that Dr. Baker did not use the word asphyxiation is a style issue. This is not propaganda. I'm not making this up. I've read it. They use the word, quote, style 
It is a style issue. For some, that might actually be exculpatory evidence if we were, in fact, in a court where justice mattered, where impartiality mattered, and dare I say to Mr. Ellison and others, facts actually mattered. Again, millions of people have now watched the fall of Minneapolis. I know we've heard from so many who say that this has changed their minds. And quite frankly, they seem to be upset. Uh, they're mad. They, they've been lied to. But we keep hearing again and again, too, that the documentary is bringing forth these new facts. And something we want to, you know, we want people to know is the truth is this is public documentation that's been there all along. And people can, can see that research for themselves. Yeah, and in some ways, I, I think I need to apologize in, in trying to go light-handed, in trying to present facts, empirical facts, and let people finally be able to see them and make their own opinions and their own judgments and, and form their own perspective. I think you and I made decisions that we went a little bit too light-handed in that regard, hoping that the kind of understory here is that, well, yes, this is not new. We never claimed it was new. It's been there for, in some cases, more than three years of evidence by the time we released the documentary. That should be very telling. The fact that there were not others looking at this information, again, empirical evidence, and saying something's wrong here. I can't breathe. Any media outlet, any other reporter, any other investigator, anyone who wanted to do the so-called fact-checking could have looked at any of this evidence and made some of these same conclusions. And even if they didn't want to get involved in this partisan political charade, they could have at least presented the information to the public. And so that's why we've gone ahead and put this up for everyone else to see themselves. It's all on thefallofminneapolis.com. I know that the body camera videos will be there as well as uh, all of this public documentation, Jay. Yeah, and that's interesting as well. And so interesting when I hear folks say, this is just propaganda. This is just partisanship. Who would bother to put all of the references? Who would bother to put all of the documents? It was devastating. <laughs> And sorry, who would allow people to speak for themselves finally in a forum where they can have their voices heard? Prison is a very, very unique experience, I can say. We have not heard from them. They have been silenced. So it's interesting that the last several minutes are nothing but references. And yet we're being accused of this partisan propaganda operation when we're doing exactly the opposite. And while there might be just some scant important documents there, the body cam footage, we are working very hard to try and get all of the information, all of the information that was presented in the documentary to put it all in one place so everyone can go there as a resource. You can go to the Hennepin County Court records. You can watch versions of the body cam footage. There is not one definitive one, so let's dispel that myth as well. There, there is. But by the time it's presented in the media, we have different versions to present all of that, to present all the documents and links to the documents, official versions. If that is what propaganda is nowadays, we have a much bigger problem to address. It's also why the documentary ends with the words, if we don't stand for the truth, we'll fall for the lies. And that's what's striking about this. If we don't stand for the truth, we will fall for the lies. It leads me to wonder, and I pose this question, if Mr. Ellison would ever uh, entertain an interview with you, 
which I hope he would do, is Minneapolis better? Is that what his argument is? We're wrong. We're just creating propaganda to defy folks. Minneapolis is great. Minnesota's better off now. If that's what he's arguing, and this is just propaganda to the fact that, no, there is no fall of Minneapolis. There were no lies told. I would certainly love to hear him present some empirical evidence to the contrary. In fact, let me just say it. I'm defying him to do so the same way I did with all of the other remarks I just made about show me some evidence to the contrary, please. I'd love to read an article where we find out, oh, yes, the officers, in fact, did call for EMS within 30 seconds. I'd love to read that. I'd love to see anything that he could present to say, no, we're completely wrong. This is propaganda. We're dividing folks. Minneapolis is great. You may be waiting for a while, Jay. I'll be honest. Again, the writer and director of The Fall of Minneapolis, Dr. J.C. Shea. Thank you so much for your work and thank you for being on. Thank you, Liz. A reminder to see the research for yourself, to watch the movie and share it with others. Head to thefallofminneapolis.com. That'll do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time.